Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to episode 10 of The Story Studio with your hosts, Luke Condor and Daniel Wilcox. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. It's a show for filmmakers, writers, comic book makers, crowdfunders, authorpreneurs, creators, and anyone looking to tell stories in the modern world. My name is Luke Condor of Kate, and I'm joined by... Daniel Wilcox. And we have a guest today, uh, Mr. Darren Scales of Darkwave Pictures. How's it going, Darren? Hi, yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, good. How's the uh, the creating going in general? Is anyone working on anything, uh, writing anything, filming stuff? What's going on? Well, we're still working on um, developing the next uh, part of the Darkwave universe. We've been working on that in the background with um, Edge of the Storm. That's like the sort of the, the calling card. Um, so we're looking at either a feature or a series, ideally a series. Um, and that's expanding upon the themes that you see in Edge of the Storm. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty busy. Cool, cool. Well, we'll, we'll, go into, we'll go into that in more detail. We'll ask you all about uh, the Dark Wave universe and stuff. But um, Dan, what about you, man? What have you been up to? Uh, I have been reading um, The Rot, They Rot, which is obviously uh, out of the two books that we're doing together, it's the one that you've written the first draft for. So I'm kind of been going through that at the minute. Just I've literally just thrown it onto my Kindle and I'm reading it as if it's an actual book. So it's quite cool to see um, <laughs> the stuff that we've planned together and that we've created together actually in book form because obviously I've spent about two and a half three months working on my side of it which was Lazarus and it's, it's refreshing to go into the other side of it and see what's going on yeah I'm doing the opposite so I'm reading Lazarus which you wrote the first draft for and mm-hmm. it's um it's really interesting to see like the old ideas and the beats that we sort of came up with together and we put down um to see you fleshed them out and so far it's reading pretty good it's a lot further along in the process than I've I was kind of worried it might be, if that makes sense. Yeah. But um, it's going to be good, I think. It's going to be wicked. Yeah, it's going to be cool. It's interesting to see some of the ideas we uh, we came up with and how they either twisted a little bit or how they've kind of stayed on track and the different different takes. But, yeah, yeah it's um, exciting. So I'm, I'm, I was kind of not um, losing momentum, but I got into that point where I was like, oh, I've got a lot of work still to do. But they're actually in not bad shape, I don't think. So, yeah, yeah it's just been... It's just been that mainly, but yeah, I think we're, first, we're aiming to uh, launch the first one at Christmas, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Ten- tentatively. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so you two met in IRL in real life, right? Is in, that... in in sombreros. Okay. Where was that? Yeah, what, so, um, what happened? Well, so my partner is um, <clears throat> a part of. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I'll just go croaky with it. It's fine. It'll be sexy. Um, <clears throat> my partner's part of a drama group in Lincoln in which uh, she, well, me and her were invited over to the sort of, what, Nikki and Simon, are they the directors? They the... Yeah, they um well they're they're part of the 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 team. Uh Nikki's she's been there for quite a while and I think Simon uh not not so long, but they're together. So um uh so we're all invited. So um Cash and I um did some filming for them uh in the past and I think we've kind of sort of stuck with them ever since and we got invited to a few things and then we, we met Daniel there and uh, um and obviously your your other half as well. Um 
and uh, we got talking. I mean, it was supposed to be Mexican, but then we started going to like sci-fi and <laughs> Dark Wave, Dungeons and Dragons, and a few well, other. Was a lot of D and D, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of that. So, um, and then we just talked about Edge of the Storm and said, well, look, you know, um, we're trying to get it out there and stuff. And then you know, Dan said, well, you know, we do these podcasts and stuff, so why not uh, check us out? So I thought, yeah, cool, let's do that. Yeah, and then Darren invited me to the premiere, which unfortunately I was unable to attend at the last minute because of a. Babysitting complications, but um, no, I ended up checking out the film pretty much as soon as it came out, and I, have to, I was massively impressed, Darren. Honestly, I, if you, when you meet people and they go, "Oh yeah, I do films," and it's all kind of done by me, and it's you know, you kind of there's that, there's that reservation in your head where you're like, "Oh, it might be all right," but honestly, fantastic, and like, like Luke says, we'll go into that in a bit, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't all done by me, obviously, but uh, it wasn't. I, 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 I understand the sentiment. Yeah. Cool. How, um, so, Darren, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you started filmmaking? How long have you been making films for? Uh, well, I started making films back in the nineties um, with uh, just like the old VHS ca- uh, cassettes and stuff. Um, and then in the late nineties, we made our first Star Wars movie. And it all started in our just our backyard. You know, the first company I, I set up was called Backyard Productions, and we made everything from Aliens to Geriatric Park, um, Batman Returns Forever, just tons and tons of, of spoofs, basically. Um, but all the way we were doing that, we were learning more and more about filmmaking. And although the stories were always a bit silly and we were having great fun, we we're also learning a lot about the, the, the process of making movies um, and also the logistics involved with that. Um, and then later on, we then moved into more original stuff. Um, so we started creating this dark wave universe um, and we took that further and made a feature called The Drift back in, uh, which we shot in 2012 and then in um, it came out uh, 2014. Um, and then we just thought, well, okay, let's try and up our production values. And each show we do, each movie we've done, we try to get the production values higher and higher and hopefully with Edge of the Storm, I think that's pretty much as, as high as we've been able to get. So we're very pleased. Cool. And have you um, been... Is that when you first started writing stuff? Like, you know, when you first started doing original stuff or were you writing before that or? Um, well, the, in terms of the uh, the writing of The Drift, um, mm. that was a collaboration between me uh, and uh, Sue Morris, who's a scriptwriter <laughs> predominantly, but she helped me with the concept of the story, making it work. And then once I was happy with the story, I created the concept of the Dark Wave universe and, and the com- key components within it. She helped me then sort of tie that all together um, and make it sort of conform to... Um, what a story should be on mm. screen. Um, she then wrote the script for that, um, which again I had some input in, but she did the main, you know, the, the main part of that. And then it, that carried on then with um, uh, Edge of the Storm <laughs> and also um, Phoenix Rising, which is the sort of the franchise, the next step, whether it's a feature or a TV show. So again, I would go up the story, characters, and then throw it to Sue. Um, she would turn it into a script. Um, we would then sort of back and forth it and, and develop it that way. So we're kind of developing the story at the same time that we're developing the script, um, which kind of worked very well. Yeah. How long have you, the, the, the dark wave universe, how long has that been in your mind or did you come with the original nugget of the idea or how did that come about? Um, well, it came about the dark wave universe as is probably started about 2009. So it's been about what, five or six years, six, seven years in, in development. But the drift came out in 2012. Sorry, we shot that in 2012. So we already had a pretty much established universe by that point. Um, but there were components before then. So the Phoenix, which is the, the starfighter that you see at the end of the movie, um, you know, spoilers, um, <laughs> is um, that was made out of Lego many years ago when I was like, you know, teenager. Um, and I made it out of Lego and developed it and whatever. And then how it did you sort of how did you off. fit it in your room? It's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very big house. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it went from there. We did this. I did this Lego model. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Just loved it to death. And I thought I'd love to make a movie with this. This and I thought as I learned about filmmaking, well, clearly you've got to have more than just a spaceship. And it kind of turned into, although only Edge of the Storm is a kind of a clue, but ultimately it's going to be like Knight Rider in space. So you've got this spaceship instead of a car that's alive it doesn't talk like kit does but it, it is alive and it has a crew of two instead of just the one like in night rider but other than that the idea is it's going from planet to planet fixing all the mm. problems the dark wave caused and the ministry and all that kind of blah so um yeah that, all sort of that sounds very cool and i've just uh realized dan we haven't done our big whoops oh we haven't yeah that's cool uh, we okay. can edit it. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll jump back into this in a second then. So, uh, so big whoops for the week. Uh, what a big whoop. Dan, have you got anything you want to bring to the table? 
Yeah, my my big whoop's actually. Um, I, th- I think it's more of a little whoop. Um, I was basically listening to uh, the Sterling and Stone guys podcast, the Smarter Artist, mm. um, just because I've gotten to a point with writing where because we're doing so much now, we never take. I feel like it's sometimes we don't quite take a breather and appreciate what we're doing. And uh, it was just a mini episode, which was um, it was about being efficient with your time and knowing that there's only so efficient you can be. So obviously we're doing a lot and we're trying to fit in time and I'm getting up earlier and going to bed later to do more and to try and fit in as much as I can. But obviously it gets to a point where you have to say, no, you're okay and you're comfortable in how much you're doing. And just listening to this sort of five minute episode just kind of helped me step back a bit this week, take a breather and then kind of prioritize the work that I'm doing to make sure that I'm I'm doing it the best I can. Yeah. Do you have a, a cut off time in the day when you say I'm not going to work anymore or do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, no. No, it's basically uh, if I get the thing done in the day that I want to do. If not, I will do it till late. Yeah, well, yeah I, I should have. I kind of want to implement it, but yeah, I think. Uh, well, I, I tried to say at eight o'clock. I, I stopped doing stuff because I need at least a couple of hours to just, just like veg out and watch watch yeah. TV and just chill with cat. Um, what about you, Darren? Are you are you working full time at the minute? What what's your situation like? <laughs> I never stop. It never stops. See, <laughs> the thing is, you try. You try. I mean, I, you know, I, I try and. Um, I've been saying for like the last like four years um, that I want to start playing games. You know, on, yeah. on, you know, yeah. on PC and stuff. That's not happened. You know, I, I think. Well, you, you kind know, of already are. Just <laughs> a game that will hopefully earn you money in the long run. Well, that would be nice. I would just for people to see it. I mean, that would be really cool. So um, I'm always busy. Um, I do. Uh, I work at a local university, teaching mm. part-time associate lecturer there, and I do some sort of filmmaking stuff. So that's the that's the bread side of it. Um, but no, it, it's it's this one thing after another. I, I mean, I used to be in the RAF, and I left that in 2012, and I thought, right, great, now I'm going to have some time to myself, and I just have not stopped since then. But it was quieter in the RAF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So do you find yourself working, do you get up early or like what time do you normally start? Uh, well, if it's, uh, I try to, if I can, but I'm not a good morning person. In fact, when I was doing the post-production and the visual effects, all the guys on the drift and in Edge of the Storm, um, we generally have like a late start to be fair. We, we probably don't even, you know, start working till about sort of 10 in the morning, but then we don't normally stop until about two in the yeah. morning. If you oh, know right, what I mean. Okay. Um, we all seem to sort of shift across, it seems, in the world of post-production. Um, mm. But then when we were on, on location and stuff, you know, I was up I was up at half six, finishing at midnight each day because that's the way it is. You know, mm. you've got to put in the time. Yeah, on location sort of life, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Guess, I guess my big whoop <laughs> is um, I've just seen the uh, Ben put on Slack um, the trailer for the third season of Black Mirror. Are yep. you fans of Black Mirror? Do you watch it? I... I haven't watched any. I've been told it's fantastic. I've just not got the time to, or I haven't had the time to get to it yet. It's so dead. Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> when I'm working, there, honestly, it's ridiculous. At uni, people are saying, <laughs> we start talking about, I'm still talking about Star Wars. Yeah. And they're going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um, about Ray. Ray? Who's Ray? I'm talking about Luke, Luke Skywalker, you know, the young guy. You know, oh, you mean the old guy loses his hand? What? Lost his hand? What are you talking about? I've been so busy making movies, I don't have time. But no, honestly, there's a whole load of movies and TV shows. I'm just lining up. I've got Blu-rays, like, up the yin gang. <laughs> I have not seen. It's a oh, nightmare. So I have it's not a seen. curse of art, isn't it? I've got, because um, I want to obviously read more books to be better at writing, but it's yeah. finding the time to get to them when you're writing to try and read it. Yeah. yeah, my my to read you. pile is just growing and growing and growing to watch as well because <laughs> like Luke Cage is out now. Um, oh, I'm Hansel. so for that. Yeah, I want uh, to watch Luke Cage so badly, but I'm halfway through Jessica Jones and I feel like I need to work my way through them. Yeah, yeah. I did watch Stranger Things. That is something I did do. I did it like in a couple of days and just sort of box setted that that whole thing. <laughs> did you? Um, I did that one right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and Luke Cage has just come out as well. So I was like, oh my god, am I going to you know do that as well? But it, yeah, it, it's difficult. Mm. Uh, Darren have you got any big whoops for the week you want to celebrate anything or uh, yeah the big whoop for us really um, well, well, Edge of the Storm has hit 20,000 views uh, hey. in, uh, which is really cool yeah. and um, The Drift uh, which has been out although it, was, it came out in 2014 we didn't go online until about uh, 10 months ago because we were selling all the DVDs for charity and stuff which we did all that and that was cool um, but in the 10 months now it just broke half a million views so we're fantastic wow. nice yeah, really yeah, yeah. Um, so just going, jumping back then, rewinding back to Darkwave. So I watched it, uh, I think it was, uh, when did you first put it online? Was it quite recent? 
uh, September 16th. Mm. Uh, I think it was maybe like a couple of weeks ago I watched it. Um, but I, I remember like just looking at the... Was there a big budget? Because it looks like there's some expensive shots in there, to me anyway. Um, the budget for the film was just under £5,000. Um, and a lot of that money went on licensing uh, for music and other bits and bobs uh, and logistics. Uh, so uh, a lot of the, the majority of the stuff that you see, we managed to get for nothing, uh, including the aerial photography, um, the use of the cameras. Um, we've, we, what we've done in the past, and, and it's been the same with Edge of the Storm, is that we, the people we get involved, we give that product back. So um, Total Canyon Films at Pinewood Studios um, helped us out. They're obviously now showcasing it themselves um and then people in the production can use it for their own showreels provide them with content the same thing we did with the drift um helen mcavoy who was our visual effects supervisor she's now a visual effects producer for double negative when she worked on terminator genesis um san andreas and a few other things and of course other artists there worked on now working for sky and did fungus the bogeyman so that's the kind of way we managed to get the, the costs down although we had to obviously pay for you know feeding the crew and, and all that kind of stuff yeah i don't think people realize sort of how expensive filmmaking can be um i think you did a brilliant job of like those shots um i i didn't know that was a real location until i watched you know the big satellite dish, dishes i didn't realize that was a real location until i watched the behind the scenes making of thing i know a lot of people have, have said oh you know what well, you know that's not very good cgi it's a bit simple <laughs> 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 well, sorry about that, but you know, they're actually real, those dishes. Because yeah. um, like, whereabouts were they? Because um, obviously Lincoln's surrounded by RAF bases and stuff. It was on one of those, right? Yeah, it was um, it's a place called, uh, what's called RAF Stenegov, which is near Laos. Um, and they've been there for years and years and years and years. Um, and you can go up there and look at them and stuff. It's private land, so you obviously should seek permission, technically. Um, <laughs> going there and looking at it is cool, um, but filming is obviously not. You have to get clearances and permissions and stuff and we we did all that eventually took took a while to try and find the owner and what have you but um i saw those dishes many years ago when i was in the air force i actually climbed the tower there's a big big tower near near, next to it um and i went to the top there and had a cup of tea um, which is very nice (laughs) as you do very Um, british yeah and i yeah and i actually i'll I'll say the picture in fact it's on my facebook page actually my uh, one of my albums um just sitting there just a cup of tea and then dishes down there you can just see the (laughs) see them um but I just wanted to use it, and um, obviously we had to add the hills and the mountains in in post because there are. They were fantastic. When I saw those shots, I was I, I genuinely had a memory. I was like, I thought you said this was filmed in Lincoln. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it was it was hard work making that making that work, and a lot of planning on location to try and make it match as best as possible. Um, even the valley shots at the beginning with the, with the truck driving along. Mm. Uh, we had to you know work hard to make that match as best we could um the parallax effects and stuff like that but that was um two guys so there's 185 visual effect shots in edge of the storm and only two guys did it uh, mike james and john carling um and, and they obviously have their own day jobs so they have to you know balance that with you know living mm. as well as doing the visual effect shots so uh you know hats off to them do you have any um any help by funding bodies or anything like that i know that a lot of people are getting into filmmaking, they, they, they want to make short films, there isn't really any money. Some people do the crowdfunding thing, and other yeah, people it's... go to iShorts, and uh, I, I, there'll be some like London Calling or whatever else there is nowadays. Yeah, I've, I, the short answer is no, I didn't. Mm. Um, I did think about it, and given the budget, um, I just saved up. I say just saved up, but I did. I self-funded the film. Mm. Um, the, the good thing about it was, there was first of all, we had Captain Credit Card, and then yeah. and then um because the film was produced over a set number of months it was able you know not all the bills didn't come at once so i was able to sort of save up save up yeah. save up have you so that was the way and it was just a balancing act deciding well look, do i either because if you go to the crowdfunding group which is great don't get me wrong and it does help a lot of people um but you may not get your money and it's it's a lot of hard work and frankly to be honest for me it was easier just to go out earn the money and yeah. just put it into the film if it was going to be something like 20 30 40 50 thousand pounds that's a whole different ball game and i yeah. have to there's no way i can i can't do that again i can't make a movie like that now i'm completely and utterly skin you know that was yeah. and everything but it was in many ways the simplest way um so i could just crack on and and, and make the film if you uh, only had a thousand pounds would you still be able to make the film but just cut on certain elements 
Well, technically, I mean, like I say, the, the costs are, I mean, I've made movies for less. Absolutely. I mean, that's the most expensive short I made. The Drift, which is a uh, hundred minute movie, that was also a five. Five thousand um, pounds. Emperor's New Clones was three thousand. Um, our Indiana Jones movie, um, Doom Raiders. These are all on our website, by the way, called BackyardProductions.co.uk. Check them out all on there. Um, but Doom Raiders was Indiana Jones shot in Cyprus, and I was based out there in the Air Force at the time. That was only fifteen hundred quid. Um, the, the less, the cheaper you make it, the more you have to ask of people, and that is is a big thing and hmm. because even if you sometimes you know we say we can't even feed you bring a pat lunch and sometimes they're pretty cool with that if you're making spoofs so star wars indiana jones batman that kind of stuff then there's generally a lot more um enthusiasm because it's a franchise that they understand and love yeah. and want to be a part of when you're making totally original sci-fi uh, or any story for that matter um i found it to be a little bit more difficult although now we had the drift edge of the storm was a little bit more easier to to get people involved because we had something to show them that they then wanted to be a part of so but yeah yeah so it could be done kind of. so what, what are some of the challenges of you know being independently producing a sci-fi film besides you know money and restrictions sometimes with location are there any sort of big hurdles that you've come up against yeah the biggest hurdle is marketing and getting people to see your film it's as simple as that um we've um we just we put the film online a couple of weeks ago we're doing all the tweets we're doing all the shares you know we're contacting some celebs but they're not interested and that's fine <laughs> you know they must get contacted by thousands of people don't yeah. even bother with simon Pegg, you know because he probably doesn't even read his account if i know he doesn't read his account so <laughs> you do all the stereotypical things you send all the i've sent the drift off to fox warner brothers loads of distribution companies and whatever got a couple of offers of distribution which were rubbish none mm. of them offered any marketing so that's the hardest thing i mean you don't give up don't get me wrong we still got twenty thousand views and in fact edge of the storm has already been pirated <laughs> on youtube um it's now on another youtube channel um called sci-fi shorts and i'm only telling you because if you go on there you know i'm adding the counts you know they've yeah. got five thousand <laughs> views so there's our view fifteen thousand plus theirs that's twenty thousand plus mm. facebook that's two thousand so I don't really care. I want as many people to see it as possible. So actually, it's marketing. Oh, and also uh, a channel called CG Brothers, um, who I keep seeing lots of sci-fi stuff on there. They do a lot mm. of um, more visual effects. They've just asked. I've just done deal with them, uh, and they've got a million subscribers. So Edge of the Storm is about to be featured on their channel as well. So hopefully that'll get yeah, get counts. Yeah. Have you have you uh, thought about sending it to like Short of the Week or you know any of these other uh i guess online gatekeepers as they, as they were there are a couple we've seen uh, a couple of short uh, on facebook um yeah. there was a short thing we, we we do submit a couple there we do the whole in case you missed it and then tag the film mm. some of them buy it some of them don't thing is it's not normally personal when they don't reply it's probably because they're just being inundated or it just gets missed in the in the trail of all the other yeah. tweets or all the other things so you just have to keep repeating and hopefully they'll they'll bite and we have um submitted it to quite a few festivals which have yeah, been accepted yeah. into a couple already and there's a few in the waiting you know we have to wait for the notification but we're already at the raw science fiction festival in los angeles uh we've been nominated in uh sci-fi cine which is in the uk um parallax is considering us um uh, geek fest is another one so we're, we're pushing out that way too although i'm not really sure if it's a festivaly type film i think it's probably yeah. a bit too commercial uh, which was the intent because mm. what we really want is a commercial deal so and so um you've invested five thousand of your own pounds uh so <laughs> um, you want to make that money back i'm guessing is there like a like a long-term plan and so you want to make a, a tv series is that right yeah it's not so much about making the money back mm. it's it has been something i really wanted to do and um i really do i'm really happy with the result that we've got the phoenix especially is something that's been with me for many many years and to finally see it flying in a story with all the sounds and the and the way it flies all that stuff wasn't just we didn't just give it to the effect guys i told them how it had to move and yeah. what it did so that's a reward enough for me in terms of the future yeah absolutely unashamedly we're trying to get a deal i know it's just like an absolute mega long shot and so does everybody else but you know you miss every shot you don't take and i really believe 
that it's a good franchise and a great story. And the feedback at Comic Cons, because we've taken it to Comic Cons and shown people, um, the feedback online has been really, really positive. And all that we're collecting to take to London, to Netflix or wherever, and say, look at this. Everyone thinks it's fabulous. You know, mm. let's let's do something with it. Mm. I, was, I was saying to, I'll go. That's no, okay. You go. I know. I was going to say. I um. I was saying to someone earlier that, that was asking a bit about you know the stuff that I'm working on and writing and stuff and whether or not I'm in it for the money. And I remember saying to them that it was for me at the minute, especially. It's a case of I don't have a novel out, and I really just want to see my name on a novel on a bookshelf. Mm. So, do you think that that is essentially the equivalent of you know your phoenix? There are people that have in their hearts this vision from for years of when they're younger and they just want this thing produced and i guess the first moment because when i saw the phoenix appear it is quite um it's one of those powerful moments where something just happens and you're watching this magic happen on the screen for the first time you saw that you must have felt just what like overwhelmed just oh it's proper goosebumps i mean the whole I wanted the Phoenix to sort of slowly reveal itself. So it starts mm. off as a, you know, like a meteor through smoke and then it flies over and you see the shadow of the Phoenix. Uh- I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, oh, what a cool name for a film. Anyway, you see the shadow <laughs> of the phoenix um, fly over the dishes and the sort of clues as it slowly becomes more and more revealed and the, mm. the engines roaring and then it opens up and suddenly it transforms into this like bird shape type thing. Um, raptor, as we're calling it. That's what bird of prey is. It's a raptor. Raptor, yeah. Uh, not dinosaurs. It's birds. Although <laughs> dinosaurs came first. But anyway, right. So it's raptor, um, and raptor sounds cool. So yeah, we, we stuck with that. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. It sounds better than bird. You know, bird yeah. mode. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> got a bird mode. What, what's that? Oh, bird yeah. mode. Okay, tweet, tweet, tweet. What are you talking about? Yeah. So yeah, raptor mode sounds much, much better. Mm. So anyway, so it goes to raptor mode. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, the smoke and then. Um, we put lights on it, so when it comes close towards the camera, these big lights come on. That was actually to hide a load of issues we had with visual effects. Um, and <laughs> if, you, if you can't if you can't show it, light it up, just blind the audience. But actually, it looked pretty menacing. Mm. And, the, and the shots, like with the claw coming out, the talons coming down. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely was a really special moment. Um, I really enjoyed the, the last couple of minutes of the movie. I mean, love the whole film. There's lots of like moments of family. Um, there's moments of struggle. There's conspiracy, mystery, heartache. Um, obviously, you have the issue before the Phoenix arrives, which I'm not going to say. There's a bigger, another thing that happens, um, which just kind of drives the story. But when the Phoenix turns up at the end, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Mm. What's the, it uh, is really unique as well. And <laughs> no, it's um, really unique as well. I remember me and uh, me and my partner Fee just sat there, just going, "I've never seen a ship do that before. It looks fantastic." <laughs> yeah, it actually has a reason for it. If we, you know, if we, when we make Phoenix Rising, um, you will find out what that all that's about. Well, I'm very much into practical type motion and movement and, and reasons for being there. And although ultimately it's still fiction and 
technically you could be it would be totally disproven i suppose but the idea of it being able to move that way so it can fly in a variety of atmospheres and a variety it's combining both our technology our, our uh, airplane technology spaceship technology with um avian technology you know birds how they mm. fly um and in fact, we're doing it already with, um, with real airplanes now. A lot of the Russian ones play have these vector thrust engines. They can sort, sort of slide in space. Um, there's a very key subtlety about the Phoenix, which if you watch it again, if you haven't noticed the first time, which is when it comes down, the, the cockpit, the head stays absolutely still. Whilst the rest of the ship is doing all this and yeah. sort of lining up, the head stays absolutely still. And that's deliberate. Um, I remember seeing a, a sparrowhawk at one of these um, bird of prey places, and they basically made this. They put all these posts, and basically the bird of prey, the sparrowhawk, it flew around all of these posts to get to the the food. You know, the guy yeah, was the guy yeah. was holding, but its its head the whole time was focused on the meat. It was only interested on that target, and the rest of its body was doing all this kind of stuff. Even its wings were shrink, you know, moving out of the way from the post to make a, a straighter line as possible. But its head was always focused, and I really wanted that to be a key, uh, you know, unique point for for the phoenix. You could tell. I don't think I can do that. You could tell there's uh, no, I can't. You could tell <laughs> there's uh, you know plenty of passion here, like for avian technology and stuff. Um, <laughs> so, how long was the production process for, the, for this film? Like when did you the, when you first start it? Um, well, technically, we started back in 2013, um, right. but it was abandoned or put it was shelved basically because yeah. the drift the drift was taking longer to finish than we expected. Um, that whole movie took three and a half years to make in the end, which was way beyond what we thought it was going to be. But you know, 1,400 visual effect shots. You know, it was going to take a while. So it was 2013 was the first time I went up there. But in terms of, and then I sort of started speaking to a couple of script writers, Dominic Bright uh, and Sue, and they started working on a few ideas. And I started throwing things into the mix as well. And then eventually they came up with an idea for a script. And then that got shelved, um, waiting and waiting. So it wasn't really till about January, February 2015 hmm. um, that we, I really thought, okay, it's time. Because the drift was done, that was finished. Um, and then we shot in July 2015. Um, we were on the whole shoot was five days, but the filming was only three. So we had a day to set up, a day to rehearse, and technically rehearse that was. Then the actors came in, um, and then we shot like three days, three and a half days with them. And then from July 2015 until probably July 2016 yeah. was all all post. Um, mainly visual effects that was the thing that took the longest but it did allow the edit to be refined james griffiths to do the score which i just love i mean i know you always people well i love the score but i really love the score that he did it was so cool um so he had time for that um and they were able then and also we were afforded the time to to get it graded down at pinewood um and also sound mix down there which you know made a massive yeah. difference so um so all this time you so right from the first uh, conception of the idea and then you do all the filming or the post you get it already and then you do the premiere how are you feeling when you're in the cinema and then you're waiting for the film to start and there's all these people that you're going to see for the first time how are you feeling what's going through your head at that moment it's weird actually because um the film has it had its premiere which i was insanely nervous for i'm always nervous at the premieres i don't know why i just sit on the edge i'm on the edge of my seat the whole time i'm just waiting to see you know not so much did the audience laugh at the right points because there's not really much comedy in the film but you know are they gasping at the right time and all the rest of it um but i remember watching it uh at pinewood we screened it for uh, shane rimmer uh, and Robin and, and Natalie was invited, but she was on another job. But we basically had a, a, a cast screening because they're all in London. It was difficult to get them up to London. So we did yeah. a cast screening down at Pinewood and that was shown. Um, we converted the film to DCP, which is the same format you use for cinemas. It's a proper cinema. It was upscale. It was shot at 2K. The whole film was 2K. Um, That's like the um, uh, the XML type file system, right? The really complicated one. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever you just said, I've no idea. I just <laughs> I was just told it was called oh it's a DCP, it's very good quality. Yeah. Okay, okay. It is. It's about seventy gig the file, it's huge. It's not yeah. like anything, you know, we we would play with. Um but seeing that at the at, at Pinewood at the John Barry Theatre, which is their main screen at Pinewood Studios, um, and it was just a very it was a private showing um, at lunchtime <laughs> between two other showings. We had to like get in there really quick and just sit there. Good job, the film was only like twenty minutes long, yeah. so we could um, have time because obviously everything we do, you know, is favour um, favours and and people just appreciate what we're trying to achieve and, and wanting to help. You know, we can't pay anyone, so 
Pine were really good about that. They, they saw we, I've worked with them before on a, f- a few other little projects, and they like what we do. Um, we're not making any money. We're not commercial. Um, but I'm sure that if we were to go commercial, that would be the first place we'd go to. So yeah. it kind of works. But yeah, it was awesome. Seeing it on the massive screen, oh, it was just so good, especially at the very end of the movie. The bit that sends chills, to be honest, down my spine is all the credits have rolled up, and it just comes up with Dark Wave. <laughs> Edge of the storm. Like, oh my god! <laughs> so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, so by that point, you're not actually sick of seeing that because I'm guessing in the editing process you're constantly going through. Yeah, you do. I mean, certainly the editing process was probably about eight weeks. That's all. Because obviously it's a relatively short movie, and of course you go through little cuts. And it went down to uh, my co-producer Nick Long at Total Canyon Films. Um, he sees a lot of shorts. I don't really. I've only made sort of features, um, albeit low budget. Whereas he's a bit of a shorts meister. Mm. So he was able to look at it and go, "Well, look, okay, this is dragging. You know, be good for a movie, but not good for a short." So he was very devil's advocate and able to trim things down and what have you. In fact, the ending of the movie was was changed considerably. Um, because of that and then um uh but after that it gets quite quiet because the visual effect all you're waiting for now is visual effect shots to go in so you're not yeah. really watching the edit anymore you're just waiting for shots so for about six months or so i didn't really have much contact with with my film because there's nothing to do really um so that was fine so by the time i got back into it and then we started grading it um, and finish off the final sound mix. It was getting very, very exciting, and I'm not tired of watching it now. I think I've watched it probably four times this week. In fact, I'm doing a audio <laughs> commentary tomorrow, so um, uh, I just yeah, I do, I do enjoy it. It, it, it. I think it's because it's so short as well. Most of my movies hmm. are, are long, so you got to sit down for an hour and a half to watch the drift or whatever. And it's like, okay, if you want to do that, that's cool. But with this, you can just watch it at your lunchtime. You know, I've actually watched it on my phone a couple of times. You know, between lectures. Hopefully, none of them have been watching it during my lectures. That would be a bit embarrassing. But um, but yeah, it's uh, worse things to watch during your lectures. True, Mm. true. Yeah, um, you can't really tell someone off for that, can you? What? Why are you on your phone? I'm watching your movie, (laughs) sir. Okay. um, Well, should we share it with the rest of the class? You know, (laughs) let's watch it again. (laughs) Oh, Oh, not again. Yeah. But no, I do. I still enjoy it. You know, I, I'm mm. yeah, definitely, uh, definitely liking uh, what we've done. But it's the best we could do. I mean, there are some things about it that I, I would change. There's a couple of sound niggles here and there, but you always have this. Um, but to be honest, you know, with the people, the response we've had with the film um, mm. from people we don't know, um, especially, you know, just saying they think it's really cool. Um, some people are a bit upset about the ending that it, it kind of is a bit of a, you know, a bit of a cliffhanger. But that's the point. You know, we want people to say that so that we can get investments yeah it's definitely it's definitely a film um that tells a very narrow part of a bigger bigger much wider universe it definitely comes across um you get a lot of that build up yeah 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 it wanted to be, I mean, it starts off very small. Well, you have the shots of space, but it's just about this little family, isn't it? It's mm. just about, you know, mum and dad and their little kid. Um, and then as David goes in the bunker and finds out more things and sees, there's all these like clues just piling in. There's even a shot of the Phoenix just sort of spinning around this top secret spaceship. Um, and then at the end, the last sort of two and a half minutes, three minutes, including the, the, the you know, the, the spoiler climax bit before the Phoenix turns up. Um, does start to push actually there's a, there are bigger forces at work there are bigger things um and at the end of because the, the end of the story david and sarah's story is kind of finished and ben's as well probably that's yeah they were running and now they're not whereas the phoenix comes in it's like well what's all this about where's this come from what are these two ministry ships coming and all that there's a lot more going on hmm. so is darkway pictures you just what's the future aspirations for is it a, your own production company darkway pictures now so is the future aspirations just to tell stories in the dark wave universe or are you going to do more uh, commercial stuff or well the plan at the moment is uh, i've got a couple of other projects in the pipelines so, so sat there again shelved just waiting for opportunity and stuff mm. the thing is i mean i've been making films like this for you know a long time and it's i've sort of got to a point where not say i'm fed up with it because that'd be wrong but I want different challenges. The challenges I have to deal with is having a mixed crew, um, having a, a large range of crew and dealing with issues that when you have no money, the, the compromises you have to make when you have no money versus other compromises you make when you have a limited budget or you have a, you know, a professional budget. Um, so if, I, if I'm going to make any more stuff, then without sounding snobby or whatever, then it has to be a funded project. Yeah. That doesn't mean, I, and I would still use the same people, but we then, we then can just put everyone in hotels and just get accommodated and just film properly and not just have to spend enormous amounts of time just trying to ferry people about just because they've got a job to go to. They can work for me. Yeah. So um, 
the plan is, if nothing else, is to develop the Dark Wave universe, absolutely. And there's tons of stories, particularly with um, the Phoenix, Jason and Star, who are the two people that fly in it, and you, you hear their voices at the end of the movie. Um, but I do have some other ideas that are sort of sci-fi connected, but comedies hmm. um, in the real world, in our world sort of thing. Um, and a few other bits of the Bob as well. And if, if, for example, you know, it came to the point where all oh, dark wave pictures are doing very well and people like it and they say, well, actually, they've got this other idea. Once you become known, it's the same old thing as like Simon Pegg starts off doing Shaun of the Dead and now he's writing Star Trek. You know, it, it's if one thing led to another, then there is potential. But for the moment, I've tried to sort of try and do them all in the past, and that's not worked for me. So I'm now focusing on just Dark Wave, and then if that works, then perhaps we could expand. Yeah, sounds it sounds I, smart to focus on on the genre for now and and build it from there. Sorry, go on, Dan. Uh, how how much of Dark Wave universe have you got planned? Well, um, in ter- a lot <laughs> is, the, is the short answer. Um, I mean, I can tell you some of the stuff. I mean, basically, the idea is that you've got the Ministry, who are now you've got the Phoenix, who you see, and Jason Star. They're being hunted by the Ministry, and the whole how the Phoenix came about, how Jason Star became the crew, um, the powers that. Uh, star has she she's similar to an organic you you see what an organic is in the film uh, and in the drift as well you see uh, you see an organic um but she's called a starlight child so she has the power of an organic um without needing a crystal and there's only like 20 of those in the galaxy and the ministry is hunting them and they're all children and there's a reason why they're children and it doesn't happen to be that way um so you've got the phoenix escaping from them trying to rescue the starlight children get them all back together you've got organics coming out of yin yang um everyone is still stuck in space and stranded you've got anderson sarah's dad he's still stuck out in a, in a drift um and then the phoenix have got plans about how to get the phoenix back because they want it back because it was made it has a connection with the ministry. It was made for a very specific purpose, and it's not the purpose it's now being used for. Um, and and, so and are all of these stories going to be told through film? Are you looking at any sort of transmedia? Have you thought about doing some novels and, and maybe getting a bit of money together from that or, or anything like that? Well, it, it's, it's difficult because um, I even tried writing Phoenix Rising as a novel, and that, yeah. that lasted about four months, and I just gave up in the end. I'm just, I'm just not a writer. But mm. having said that, um, TV franchise is the way to go for like the canon. That is the main, how I see it going from my point of view. Um, but one of the things I have talked about, and it's one of the reasons how I was even able to get Edge of the Storm made, was I reached out to writers and said, look, here's my universe. Go play. See what you can come, <laughs> up, see what you can come up with. You know hmm. the setting now. Here are the rules. You, know, you can't kill these people, these particular ones. Um, you can't destroy the Phoenix. You can't do this. You can't do this. But other than that, go for it. Um, and we had some come back. We had about five or six scripts came back, just like five or six pages. That was all it was. Uh, and Dominic wrote one, um, which was very close to what I had in mind for Edge of the Storm. Um, I already had the idea. Of, I knew what was going to happen in Edge of the Storm, but it wasn't joined together. And Dominic brought in some really nice little points, and that then got developed, um, which is why he's the, the lead script uh, yeah. uh for for the film so yeah i would love to um i, I had an idea called project 5050 this comes from uh fan films where in the past certainly you know you get like these cease and desist orders i know that star trek uh, cbs has given a particular one a bit of a kicking at the moment um but what i wanted to do was basically say look if you go and write a story in my universe um provide you follow these rules um so you don't kill off all my characters that i kind of need um <laughs> you can sell it that's what I'm saying. You can actually mark it. You can call it Dark Wave, whatever your story is. But with your name, you go and e-publish it, whatever. And the Project 5050 basically is you get half and I get half. Or Dark Wave Pictures gets half. Um, and see if anything came of that. Now, I, I mentioned that in London, and they were very unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> they were not happy with that at all. They were like, what, what do you mean? What? I said, well, look, you either sue them and they can't write anything. Or you get half of what? And funny old thing, because I pitched that idea to the guys in London in 2012. And now on YouTube, a lot of the time where I used to get like, you know, your, your music muted and all the rest of it. And sometimes that still does happen. But more often than not now, what ends up happening is the company that owns the rights to the music just slaps an advert on and it's starting to make money from your film. So they're just doing what I already said. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like um, so Amazon have, or they have Kindle Worlds, which is... Um basically where they found a way to monetize fan fiction um yeah. but it's, it's smart i mean the, the good stories well i mean they are now getting edited and and, and proved and stuff um yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, um, people want it. That's it. If people yeah, want exactly, it. Yeah. Why would they stop? And that's what I couldn't stand in London. They would say, "Well, we can't. We we own this." If someone made a Harry Potter novel, blah blah, I was like, "Well, why not? If they're going to make, you know, how, mm. if it's a good and it sells, you're making money so long as it follows the rules. Like I say, mm. you know, don't kill off, you know, Hermione or, or whatever it is. Or, <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be canon either. Like you, it no. could be separate. Yeah, mm. everyone wins. Hmm. Everybody wins. You don't have to read it. That's the thing, you know. <laughs> and they're making a lot of pretty rubbish sequels and reboots. You know, <laughs> Terminator. You know, so. <laughs> I'm sure the fans out there could think of some better stuff, you know. Um, and if they are, let's see it, let's monetize it, and everybody wins. Cool. So, uh, Sorry. Another thing. A lot of our, our listeners are sort of uh, independent writers and authors and storytellers. Um, I know for a fact that a lot of them are going to want to get into making films and and they want to make their own dark wave universe or or Edge of the Storm type film or whatever. What light what, ocean. Light what? Light Ocean. Uh, What's that? It's Dan's fan film. <laughs> oh, <laughs> is it? Me, it's just me twisting Darkwave. Ah, uh, oh, I see. <laughs> well, originally Darkwave was called Starlight. That was the first name, and then the Starlight comic came out. Um, so that name oh, got okay. canned. Yeah. Although the new name makes it better, to be honest. Yeah. So, what would you what would you say to those uh, those people out there who want to want to get involved and, and make their own stuff? Well, I think ultimately. Um, it, don't be put off by production values because not to say that my production values are particularly excellent. There's always going to be a movie better than yours. There's always going to be a movie that's not perhaps as good as yours. Um, but the reality is what really counts is the story. And there's some great, I mean, some of the really old Star Wars fan films, um, it's one called Ryan versus Dorkman, which is just a lightsaber fight. And I don't even think they've got even, they've even put the lightsaber glows. It's just two guys smacking the crap out of each other with toy lightsabers and it was one of the most popular star wars fan films ever you know and there's me making this super emperor's new clones with like an hour-long storyline and massive sets and cgi and all the rest of it and it's okay but it just proves the point that you don't need to have super production values what you really need is a good story and if you've got an idea for a good story you know then shoot it on your iphone it doesn't matter because mm. if it's good and you, you know, you have, and you have convincing actors. You know, you can't go wrong. There you go. That resonates with, uh, I think, our, I don't know, our manifesto. I guess just to, you know, use whatever just you've got to, to make make yeah. a good story. Yeah, that's There's how no, I it's start. No excuse to not start, really. No, because you only get better as time goes on. So. Absolutely. And your characters will develop as well. So not only, you know, it's the whole, the filmmaking process is quite different to, to books. So um, you write the, you write the treatment, which is basically the story, the narrative, then you write the script. Um, we had the actions and the dialogue, et cetera, obviously. <clears throat> but then of course you, you have actors and they go in um, and they always obviously add value. Duh. But what I mean is that once you start like re- seeing your script turn into a reality, yeah, if you know your story and you're on set, you can add stuff or augment, make it better, etc. It's not improvisation, but it's just how you could develop it more. And then you have the edit process. So again, you're going back to your story and you're seeing it on the screen now. So it's another perspective. Yeah. So it's a really great way to develop your story. And not once there did you have to worry about whether you shot on an Arri or Red or whatever. You could have still done all of that with an iPhone. Yeah, they say a film is made three times, right? In the scripts, in the shooting Shoot. and in the editing is yeah. that right yeah yeah, yeah, abs- yeah absolutely and they even when you even well and visual effects now i mean the end of our film tr- changed dramatically because of what we we're able to achieve with visual effects um and how you can make it look um very very different mm. um so yeah but yeah technically yeah the main ones with those are three yeah cool okay so we're coming towards the end of our time um Dan, wow, that was quick it was oh yeah. <laughs> flies by <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, it's amazing. You're incredibly passionate, and I think it's evident in the way you talk about your, your story. Um, first of all, and the production behind it. So, so I just want to say thanks for coming on. First of all, um, really- it's really nice to to meet you, not face to well, sort of face to face in a in a <laughs> digital way. Um, but we've got um, a quick fire round quickly, please. Where <laughs> where Uh-oh. we've got some questions. We're going to okay. fire them at you. Don't worry too much. Just, just a got, bit of fun. You've got five seconds to answer <laughs> each of right, these okay. questions. Um, okay, not at all stressed about this now, but okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I've changed a couple of the questions as well, Luke, so there might be some surprises for you as well. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Uh, do, you want to go, too major. do you want to go first, Dan, or do you want me to go? Uh, after you. Okay, Darren, 
First thing you do when you wake up? Uh, go to the loo and brush my teeth. Not in that order. The other way around. <laughs> Last thing you do before you go to sleep? Drink a glass of water. Uh, Favourite teacher? Uh, Mr. Wallace, English at Barclays School in Stevenage. What makes a good filmmaker? Oh, my God! Um, <laughs> Prayer. Uh, passion, and, <laughs> passion and an understanding of the creative process. Cool. Uh, Favourite film? Uh, Star Wars New Hope. Honey or jam? Honey. Favourite word? <laughs> so it was just the first word I could think of. <laughs> favorite word. Uh, oh, it's my guy, isn't it? Phoenix, Sorry, I was, Phoenix, I was. Phoenix is it, my favorite word. Okay. Uh, it's too late. We'll accept bum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg or Lucas? Oh my god, uh, Spielberg. Um, who's your spirit filmmaker? Oh, what do you, I don't know what that means. Spirit mm-hmm. as in whatever you spirit. think it means. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. That's a toughie. We'll we'll come back to it. Uh, Dan, yeah. do the next one. Luke or Han? Uh, Luke. Cool. Uh, who's your spirit filmmaker? Spirit <laughs> filmmaker would be Stanley Kubrick, actually. Oh, nice. Okay, nice. cool. Just think about it now. Well, and, and it's it's um, uh, two thousand one, especially. I just yeah. cannot believe that movie was made when it was made. Unbelievable. Totally unbelievable. A man with a vision. Um, and I've got lots of stories about him, which I can't tell you about because they were talking comments. But um, yeah, he, he got it. He got it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where should we send people to, Darren? Where do you want them to go? Okay. If you want to check out uh, Dark Wave Edge of the Storm, darkwavepictures.co.uk. Uh, or if you just Google Dark Wave Pictures, um, Dark Wave Pictures on YouTube, we've got our own channel. Same thing, Dark Wave Pictures. So Dark Wave Pictures. Cool. <laughs> Dan, what about those? Check it out. Yeah. Fantastic. It is a good Fantastic. film. Yeah, I recommend it to you. Uh, Dan, where, where should we send people? Uh, as always with us, go to www.hawkandcleaver.com and if you leave your email, you can get a free book from us and also check out the other stories podcast. Cool. Okay, that sounds good to me. All right, guys, I'm going to stop the recording. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip.